in the church, a lot of times we, we do the right things, we say the right things, and, and this isn't to negate any of that or even contradict any of that, but the reality is you have to do the next thing before you can move forward. And because today is Baptism Sunday, I want you to understand that I've done this for a minute and I found that the enemy knows what to do to keep us from doing the next thing. We generally will swallow the pill of not now. Not now. Or later. Or maybe. And when that happens, we find ourselves stuck. Because opportunity comes, and when opportunity comes, it necessitates obedience. Because I know Tom and I have talked many times about this when we work together and even afterwards that we are very conscious and very aware of windows of opportunity. And I remember him telling me over and over again, and it was, he, he, he really changed my perspective on so many things when he talked about there's a window of opportunity and you may never get that window of opportunity again. And that's, that's not me trying to do a scare tactic. You, you can look backwards on your timeline and look at windows of opportunity that you wish you would have taken. I've told the story many times when I used to tour with my father. We were playing a prison, and my father always gave his testimony of how Jesus delivered him from being an alcoholic, and God radically saved him and changed his life, and thank God my family got saved, et cetera, et cetera. And we were at this prison, and my father gave his testimony, and many men gave their life to Jesus. And then afterwards, a man came up. Been in prison a long time, and I always stood with Dad because I learned so much from Dad. I, 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 I've said many times I didn't just learn what to do on stage. More importantly, I learned what to do when I came off the stage. That's what good dads do, amen. And this man came up, and he was just weeping uncontrollably. And my father, as he always did, he took the time to talk to this man. He found the one. That's what dad did. He found the one. My father lived by the example of do for one what you wish you could do for everybody. Because when we try to do one, something for everybody, nobody wins. So my father tried to model do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And so dad would begin to talk to this man, and this man said, talk about his life a little, talk about how he ended up in incarcerated, and then dad said, do you know Jesus? And he wept even harder, and through his gasp for air and his sobbing, he said, I just wish God would call me one more time. And dad said, well, maybe he's calling you now. And he said, no, he's not. He said, but he did call me. The night before I did the crime that got me in prison, he was in a church, and he was, should have gave his life to Jesus because God was drawing him. And he said, not now. Now, that's a real story. That's a true story. It's my personal experience. So what I want us to do today, I want us to, in the context of talking about baptism, I want you and I to look at the reality that, one, it's important, but two, it's the next step after you receive Jesus Christ. It's the next step. Now, I want to be very clear because there's a lot of teaching on Baptism, and I'm not, I'm not here to correct anybody. What I'm here to do is just teach you the word. And I, I, I need you to understand that being baptized did not take you to heaven. Somebody say amen. amen. Just encourage me a little bit here. Being baptized don't get you to heaven. Amen. Embracing the reality that Jesus Christ died for your sins and my sins, paid the penalty for your sins, repenting of those sins, and walking with Jesus, that's what gets you to heaven. Amen. Baptism is you declaring to the world 
your family, your friends, that from this point on, I'm never looking back. That you belong to Jesus. And I want to look at this subject of baptism. Let's start at the beginning. In the beginning, we know that God so loved the world that he became one of us. In his son, Jesus Christ, amen. He was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, went to the cross, died on the cross for our sins. We sung about that today. Went to the tomb that was borrowed. Stone was rolled in front of it. In three days, he rose again. Somebody needs to say amen right there. And then after his resurrection, after Jesus rose from the dead, he assembled his disciples together because he had one more tidbit of instruction to give the church, his followers, And that little bit of instruction is found in Matthew 28, 19. You don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screen behind me. Your Bible says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In other words, he said, men, go into the world and preach me. Nothing else, just me. Seven days a week, 365 days a year, preach me. Be the light of Christ. And when people turn to me, let's get them baptized. Let's get them taught. And let's release even more evangelists on the world. Amen. That's God's plan. And that's what the body Dayton stands for. Now, you can go, as I said, to all types of different churches, different kinds of denominations to get different teaching on baptism. You'll hear different takes on it. You could go to a Pentecostal church, hear one thing. Baptism is used many ways. Go to a Baptist church. You have to be baptized to even be a part of their church. You can go to a Lutheran church. It's something different. You go to a Catholic church. It's something different. But instead of looking at different churches and looking at different denominations, I want us to look in this book. Because in this book is where we go to find answers. Amen. I don't have the answers, but I... I have the book that does have the answers, amen. In Matthew 3, verse 13, the Bible says, Then, then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be, say it, baptized. I want to go on record saying if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for Jeff Burke. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by this man named John. And let me unpack this for just a second. Maybe you're new to the Bible, or maybe you just like me love this story. And that is John was a freak. What did he do? John was a weirdo. When I was studying this out again to share with you this morning, I, I kept getting reminded of how John the baptizer would fit in the body Dayton. Because he just, he just, he just didn't jail with folks. He was the misfit of misfits. But man, he loved the Lord. And he was not ashamed of it. And what I love about John is, he was just John, and he let everybody else be everybody else. John the baptizer, in, in your scripture, he's called John the Baptist. It doesn't mean he was part of a denomination and had a state overseer. John was the baptizer. Don't mistake it because it's crucial that you don't. You need to trust me because I was raised that way. John was not a Baptist. John was not a Pentecostal. John was not a Lutheran. John was not a Catholic. John was not a Methodist. John was the baptizer. He was the forerunner and the one who came out of the woods with his voice scratchy because he wouldn't shut up about it. That there's coming a man that's going to change the world and give his life for the lost. And his name is Jesus. And I ain't worthy to unsnap his shoes. But look at him. Behold the Lamb. So Jesus came to John, and he said, I need to be baptized. He comes up to him and says, will you baptize me? And John, or excuse me, in Matthew 3, verse 14, after Jesus came to be baptized and asked, would John baptize him? John tried to roadblock Jesus. Now, before you misunderstand, it was not him trying to be difficult. It was him moving in humility. In other words, he was telling Jesus, I can't baptize you. You're Jesus. Notice in verse 14 of Matthew 3, but John tried to talk him out of it. 
<laughs> I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, John said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus was very, very serious about this subject. So in verse 15, your Bible says, And Jesus replied, Let it be so now. See, the enemy of now is later. The enemy of now is not now. The enemy of now is it's not convenient. The enemy of now is no. Jesus said, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then Jesus, or excuse me, then John consented. But let me ask you, what else was John going to do? <laughs> What's John going to do? No, don't think so, Jesus. Uh, he's weird enough. He, no, he's surprised. Then John consented as, as soon as, put yourself in the story, you're standing by the river, Jesus walks up, John, I need you to baptize me. I ain't baptizing you, you need to baptize me. I'm serious, we need to do this right now. Okay. So you're in, this, you're in the story, right? John takes Jesus, puts him under the water, lifts him back out of the water. Your Bible says this, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water. At that moment, are you in this story? You're looking at it. It's playing out right in front of you. At this moment, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Now, this is the part that blows my mind. And a voice from heaven. Are you in this story? Can you try to wrap your mind around the heavens parting the Spirit of God falling on Jesus the Messiah and a voice come thundering out of heaven. This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I'll follow this guy. Amen. Because he's got God's seal of approval. I'll follow this guy. He said, I need to be baptized. And he comes out of the water Heavens open up, and man, I, at that moment, the public ministry of Jesus Christ begins. Now, I'd ask you to go to Acts chapter 8, please. We've looked at a couple of verses where Jesus is a proponent and an advocate for baptism and an advocate for now. In Acts chapter 8, there's a revival going on. Lives are being changed. People of high esteem were coming from different parts of the world to see what Jesus was doing in this particular area. As lives were changed, people were getting filled with the Holy Spirit and, and people were getting saved and baptized and so on and so forth and more and more every day. And I'm talking by the hundreds and by the thousands. And then this happens. Verse 26 of Acts chapter 8. Your Bible says this. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying... Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. So he arose and went. Pause. I don't know what Philip was doing when that word of the Lord came to him. But here's what I know. I know he was busy because he was instrumental in that revival taking place where he was. So I know he was busy. I know it wouldn't have been convenient because I know what it's like to be in perpetual church services. I know what it means to be spearheading things. So I know he didn't have time. I know it would have been so much better if he would have pinned it down and scheduled it. You got to get this. But had he have waited, he would have missed the window of opportunity for a life. And who knows how many lives were changed because he was obedient instantly. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all of her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was trying to figure out what is going on. He was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near, overtake the chariot. Verse 30, so Philip ran to him. I love this sense of urgency. He heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? See, see, he was looking for his next step. 
And he went to the right place to find his next step. But he didn't understand the next step. See, Philip could have very easily ran up on the chariot, looked in and seen the guy reading the scrolls, reading the scripture. And he could have said, okay, you got this. Because I got to get back to what I was doing. So you've got the Bible, figure it out. And many of us, when we came to Jesus, that's what was happening to us. All right, you, you prayed the prayer. You repeated after me and you, repay, you prayed the little prayer, right? So that's awesome. Go on. Go on. When I was five years old, my mother came forward in the church and got saved, and I was with her because I was a mama's boy and I never left her side. That's no surprise to anyone. And she knelt down in the front pew of the church we were visiting. They picked us up on the church bus, and she knelt down to pray, and I didn't know what to do. I just knew I wasn't sitting back there with my brothers and sisters because they're mean to me. So I said, I'm going with mom, and I knelt down beside mom. I didn't know what she was doing. I was just bugged that she was crying. I figured it was dad's fault. That's what kids think. Dad, just mark it down. So when I got, when mom got up, so some people prayed with mom. When mom got up, I got up, and this man in a suit rubbed me on the head. Strike one. Don't touch me. He rubbed me on the head, and he said, you're never, <laughs> you're never going to regret this decision. I, what, following mom to the front of the church? I don't know what decision I just made. We're so proud of you. Nice. And it wasn't until I was 21 years old that I finally bent a knee and cried out for Jesus Christ to save my life. But what happened was somebody said, you did it. Go on. Go on. Philip could have easily done that, but he did not. He was going to help someone find their next step. Amen. He said, do you understand what you're reading? Verse 31. And he said, how can I understand unless someone guide me? And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Verse 32, the place in the scripture which he read was this. And and it's literally out of Isaiah 53, verse 7 and 8. And he said, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Talking about Jesus Christ. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his for this generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you. Of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or another man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture preached Jesus. Philip was a simple man. I suggest he was a great preacher. Because he did what every great orator and great communicator does when trying to open this book and share something. You start with Jesus and you end with Jesus. The body Dayton has nothing to offer other than Jesus. Because anything else we could give you is temporary. And I'm not saying we're not available for that, but I'm saying even in the offering of the temporary, you're going to get Jesus. Because Jesus is the answer. Verse 36, now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is seminary. Look, here is books. Here is discussion. Here is fill in the blank. All of those things, good things. But it's not the next thing. Even the eunuch who knew nothing about the grace of Jesus Christ other than what Philip shared with him, that Jesus gave his life silently for the lost. After he received Jesus Christ, he said, see, here is water. And this is the question I want to wrestle with today. What hinders me, the man said, from being baptized? What hinders me 
from being baptized. And Philip, knowledgeable in the word, a good communicator, clearly knows how to organize church services and revival. He said this. I love this. And then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. That's it? Yeah, see, because one, one thing that the church is great at is taking the simple things and making it complicated. When the reality is, there's nothing else attached to baptism other than your public confession of faith that Jesus Christ saved your soul, you're turning from your sin, and you will walk with him from this point forward. So Philip said, well, if you believe in Jesus with all your heart, let's go down and get dunked. Well, I paraphrase that, but. So he commanded, uh, actually, and, and, and the eunuch answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He confessed with his mouth. When I baptize folks, I always ask them, and I've, I've baptized many of you. And when I do, I always ask them, I say, do you know Jesus Christ as your, because I want to hear them proclaim it. Because there's power in that. There's power in that. He said, I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water. He baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. He went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now for the next few minutes, I want to play the part of lawyer and teacher. And all I want to do is try to unpack very quickly this question, what hinders me from being baptized? I've got a few things. If you're taking notes, I would ask you to write these down. Excuse number one, I don't understand. I don't understand. Now, let me say that this is actually a good excuse. I'll say it again. This is actually a good reason not to take the next step. Now, because this next step is after the most important step, and that is embracing the reality of Jesus Christ being your Savior and Lord. And I just want to go on record saying, and those of you that are in the room that know Jesus, you're going to agree with me that you will never, ever, ever, ever understand why Jesus Christ chose you. Because your spouse knows you. And they told me that they can't understand how Jesus did this. That God must just be awesome. See, that part you'll never get. But after that, you need to understand why you're doing what you're doing for the Lord, for the church, for others. You, you need, you, I, I've told many times, I've got a personal mission statement. I, I leave my house every day with a plan. My plan is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruin somebody's day by being nice to them. I'm, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give away more than I've received that day. Whether it's material whether it's love, compassion, grace, because I, I've learned to understand the concept and the truth of sowing and reaping. Amen. So, so, so you need to understand why you're doing what you're doing. But, but in terms of baptism, I don't understand. It's okay because I, I don't want you to participate in anything you don't know why you're doing it. But also, I've said it, I'll say it again. We, have a, we just have an uncanny ability to make things difficult. You don't need to take 10 classes to be baptized. You need to confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and say, I want to make a public confession in front of my church, in front of my friends, in front of my family that I'm going to move on with Jesus. And I'm not looking back and I'm not going back. This is it. And I want all of you to hold me accountable to that decision. So baptism is an interesting word and I... I I don't do well with English. I certainly don't do well with Greek or Hebrew. But it's a word that's very, very interesting. It's the word baptizo, and, and, and I'm probably saying it wrong. But it literally means to, to dip. It means to immerse, to plunge under, to submerge, to, to wash. That's what it means. And it's a very common word in Jesus' day. So when they called John the Baptist, John the baptizer, they were really saying John the immerser or, or John the, 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 the submerger meaning he went under, all the way under. 
You getting baptized is not just you getting wet, and I need you to understand these things. So, why, Jeff, why help me understand, why do I need to get baptized? Well, if you're taking notes, write this down. In baptism, you are publicly standing with Jesus Christ. Amen. You are publicly standing for and with Jesus Christ. You're making an outward uh, 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 movement on your internal decision. It's a declaration. Hey, I'm identified with Christ, and that's what you're saying. You're standing with him. In Galatians 3, 26 and 27, your Bible's clear. For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ just like putting on new clothes. So you're putting on a public confession that you stand with Jesus. You're clothed with Christ, you're passionate about your relationship with Christ, and you want everyone to know it. You know, a lot of people can communicate without saying a word the things they're into, the things they support, the things they like. None of those things are wrong, but they show what's important to them and what they're interested in by what they wear. That's fair, right? Right? Dwayne, you with me? That's fair, right? Yeah. I mean, some of you sports folks which I, I, don't, I don't understand sports. When you're my size, you learn how to play guitar a little. Yeah, sports wasn't a thing in our family. You, I mean, I played literally one game. One game. They put me in right field. I didn't have my glove on half the time. I got to bat once. And the guy behind the fence thing that I was standing in front of, I forget what it's called, but that thing, he kept saying, don't swing, don't swing. And I'm like, but mom says I swing fine. We got done, and mom said, how was it? And I said, I hated it. She said, you want to do it again? I said, not really. She said, okay. You're like, no, they got to stick it through. Well, that's just dumb, because I, I don't see why we need to torture folk. But some of you sports folks, you can't even throw a football, but come game day, you have every, every piece of apparel you have on. You're wearing stuff you wouldn't normally wear. That's fair. Am I meddling now a little bit? You wear stuff. I mean, we make no, you, you make sounds. Ooh, ooh, ooh. When, why is she barking? Why is Olahana barking at us? Oh, sorry. Sorry, Olahana. I, uh, I forgot. See, in my mind when I was setting that joke up, I was going to say John, but John's not here. You got away with one, John. You got away with one, Browns fans. And Ryan's not here, so you're the only one else I know. Any Browns fans in the house? Take Olahan and Kelly to lunch and talk about whatever that is you talk about. But listen, many people wear other things that are sports-related, hunting. I, 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 I crack up folks who wear camo all the time. I'm but that's just me. I'm just cynical. And I, I love just watching people and kind of low-key making fun of them. Can I say that? I'm going to get baptized today too then. <laughs> I, you, get, you get what I'm saying, right? Baseball, hockey, whatever. I, and and let me, just, just so you know, I'm not picking. I, I have the easiest job in the world when it comes to getting dressed. Look at my closets. You're welcome. 1124 Drive. Stop by the house. We'll let you in. You can look at my, there's one color. Every closet I have. One, thank you. One color. I got it made. I wear band t-shirts that I support, that I love, that I'm passionate about those things. I don't wear a lot of, you know, I don't wear a lot of like hokey Christian t-shirts. Because they're the folks I make fun of, and I know I'm going to be made fun of, and I'm a little sensitive. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so I, back it, I back it down because, you know, it's like, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. A breadcrumb and fish. No, it was Abercrombie and Finch. Oh. I didn't, I didn't know what that was. Yikes. Can we, just, can we just all be in agreement? And you know what? I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to step away from the Bible for a second. Can we be in agreement? We need to stop. We just need to stop. 
just take the fish off your car, okay? Because I saw you pull out in front of that guy. So just take the fish off your car. Nah, you do whatever you want. My job ain't to tell you that. But I am trying to say that today you get an opportunity to, to make a public confession and put on Christ. And that should be more important than anything else we're trying to communicate about our love, our passion, our desires, our interest. Are you with me? That needs to be the most important, amen. Jesus baptized in the Jordan, and the Jordan may have been the most public place he could have chosen to do that in. The Jordan River was not some out-of-the-way, obscure, incognito place where Jesus Hiding behind a tree, Psst, John, come here, bro. I need you to baptize me. Okay. When they break for dinner, whoop, no, no. It was wide open in one of the most public places he could have done it. This is important. People were there to get their drinking water, wash their clothes, to cool off from the hot Judean sun. Everybody gathered there. Jesus was baptized in the most public of public places. Today, many of you are going to stand with Jesus before people and say, I am not my own anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Why is this important? Because Matthew 10 says, everyone who acknowledges me publicly, Jesus said, here on earth, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies him, I'll deny before my Father. When you're baptized, what you're saying is, I don't care what anybody thinks. I know what I've been. You can bring my past up if you want, but Jesus isn't. And I'm going under, and I'm coming up in Jesus' name. That's why we do it, and that's one of the reasons you'll do it. So to help you understand, one, you'll be standing with Jesus. Two, you're baptized into his death. This is important because we need to die daily to ourselves. In Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. It's symbolic. It's symbolic. It's a picture. It's an illustration. It's an object lesson, if you will. You are going into the watery grave because Jesus went into a grave for you and me. And when we're baptized, we're baptized into his death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. We're baptized with him in his death. A lot of people ask, well, how should I be baptized? Well, you're buried. You go under completely. You're immersed. And then you're raised to walk in newness of life. I like that picture. I've never seen anyone come out of the waters of baptism bummed that they did it. Usually it's the other way around. Am I right, Pastor Duane? Usually, man, it's like, whoa! Because there's something humbling and at the same time very empowering about following the Lord in baptism. Amen. Furthermore, why should we do it? Well, you're publicly standing with Christ, yes. Also, you're baptized into his death. And I alluded to it, you're also raised into new life. This is so powerful. Because when you come up out of that watery grave, you're different. I said you're different. Amen. Holy ghost of God is active in you. Powerful. It fills you. The very same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You have it. You have it. You have the power over sin. You have the power over death. You got the power over the grave. You have it. You're changed, you're different, and you're different forever. In Romans chapter 6, we read verse 4. The rest of verse 4 says, And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now, look at this, now we also may live new lives. Like a piece of cloth that's submerged and immersed in dye. It changes like a cucumber that becomes a pickle. A cucumber goes in, but a pickle comes out. You may look the same on the outside. I mean, we're trying to work on how. 
<laughs> we can change somebody's appearance, but we can't. So you're going to look the same when you come out. But on the inside, let me tell you, let me tell you what you're going to do. When you come out of that water today, you're going to want to tackle hell with a squirt gun. Because you're going to feel Jesus all over you. And you're not going to know what to do with it. Am I right? You'll be like, oh. You can't wait to go out and eat today. You're going to tell people. You're going to ask me why I'm wet. I want, I want fries. I want fries and a large Coke Zero. Ask me why I'm wet. Now just ask me. Just ask me why I'm wet. Okay, I'll ask me. You know why I'm wet? Because I got baptized today. Got baptized today. God, help me. You're baptized into the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. In a nutshell, for those of you that say I don't understand, in a nutshell, baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. No more, no less. And the reason we place you completely under, it's not by accident, it's not by tradition, we bring you up out of the water after going completely in because Jesus went all the way into the grave for you. And he went all the way into the grave for me. He died a physical death and he rose again in the power of heaven. Amen. You know, baptism, and again, I, I totally get it, and I'm not, I'm really not, this, I'm not being cynical on this part. I am, I'm not on this part. I, I, know, I know sometimes that we can make a big to-do out of things. I get it. I really do. But I know that in this area, and it's, it might be because the church goes in so hard on things sometimes, but in other areas of our life, we don't mind having an outward expression of an inward change. I thought this week about wedding rings. I, I'm, again, I'm, I'm one of those pastors, man, I love doing weddings, I love doing baby dedication. I just love that stuff. I love baptizing people. But my wedding ring, along with other things, why do you give a ring? It's an outward expression, amen, of a commitment. Are you feel, you got this? My wedding ring doesn't make me more married to Miss Kim, which by the way, in a couple of weeks will be 41 years we've been married. Been together for 53 years. Are you feeling this at all? Man. It took a wicked turn, didn't it? Yeah, that took a bad turn. I need to think before I say stuff. Is that, that's what you tell me to do. Yeah. I couldn't be more married to her no matter what I wear, but by wearing it and by other things. It could be, it could be an outward expression of holding her hand. It could be so many things. But I'm declaring, I'm with her. She's with me. End of conversation. I'm not available to anyone or anything outside of Miss Kim. This outward expression of an inward change is you saying, I'm not more saved because I'm wet, but I'm letting you know that I am unavailable to anything or anyone outside of Jesus. Bring whatever you want to bring. Tempt me with whatever you want to tempt me with. Say what you want to say. Bring up how I used to be, and I'll remind you of what I am. Got a new life. You can go to heaven. But man, remember the thief on the cross? The thief on the cross who proclaimed Jesus Christ he didn't have time to get down and get baptized. His next step was to die. You, me, our next step is to be baptized. That's the next step after you're saved. Excuse number one, I don't understand it. Excuse number two, I've already done it. I already did it. And there are many of you to hear, here today, you don't need to be baptized today. I get it. You've been saved. You were baptized biblically it's, it's behind you. I got it. I understand. And I hope this sermon is just an encouragement to you on why you did it. But for others, for others, I'm going to cheer on those who are going to make that decision today. Even if you've already done it. Maybe you're like so many people that got into the church scene at a young age. Isn't it amazing the number of people that grew up in church? Amen? I think everybody's grandpa is a preacher. 
Yeah, my grandpa was a pastor. Wow. Everybody's a pastor. When you're, when you're around church people a lot, and you're, you're prompted to pray and you're prompted to repeat, and I get it, and I'm not downplaying that. Many of you were saved at a young age, and it's strong, and I'm thankful for it. Please don't mishear me. But you were hurried to the baptismal waters, and then you lived like hell. And all your eggs are in one basket. And that basket's got holes in it. And you're just wondering, what's my next thing? Your restart's the next thing. Being forgiven and saved and set free is the next thing. After that, we get baptized. And you live for Jesus. Maybe you were baptized as a baby, and even though you didn't fully remember it, you, you, you Maybe you don't even know why it happened, but you've got a record of your baptism, and years later, you made a personal decision for Jesus Christ. It changed everything. And even though it might create an awkward conversation with family members, you may have to tell them that you got baptized today. And they're going to say, you were already baptized. And you're going to say, no, that was for you. No, 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 that, I love you, but that wasn't for me. That was for you. I had no say in it. I made no decision for a next step. But I will ask you to celebrate with me as I stand with Christ and get baptized into his death and raised into a new life with him. 27 times in just the book of Acts, people are baptized, and every single time it's at the point of their conversion, the point of their salvation. I love that. I love that. It's after they've made a personal decision that brought them to a place where they knew they needed Jesus, and so they were saved. For some of you, you know you were really saved after you were baptized. That's okay. We celebrate with you. We're just going to give you an opportunity to do your next step. One of the things I think that hurts us is we think just because our relationship with Jesus is personal that it should be private. And it isn't. It's actually the opposite. Because your relationship with Jesus is very personal, but it was never intended to be private. Ever. And to me, that's the point of being baptized. Number three, what's the next excuse? See, because I don't understand that that's fair. Hopefully you know a little more now. Secondly, I've already done it, but baptism is about your relationship with Jesus right now. Not about what it was before you were even aware that you were a sinner. But excuse number three, this is where we kind of get personal with it. Well, I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared to participate today, Jeff. Again, legit excuse, but I'm telling you the enemy of now is not now. I made it my priority to be able to accommodate you today. Pastor Dwayne made it his priority to be able to accommodate you today. And it brings me great pleasure to know that we've prepared for you. So you may feel you're not prepared, but we have T-shirts available. We've got flip-flops if you're afraid our baptism is skanky. We got towels. You feel me? I get it. I'm a germaphobe. I feel you. I've never stepped in a body of water without shoes on. Ask my family. It freaks me out. Sand? No thanks. What am I saying? I'm saying we've prepared for you. And my job today, my assignment from God is to take away your reasons to say not now. You're like, PJ, my family's not here, man. Everybody in this room is carrying a camera that also makes phone calls in their pocket. We'll, we'll just snap pictures the whole time. I mean, it'll be the whole time, play by play. We'll video it, whatever you want. But don't miss your opportunity for the next step. The only thing standing in your way is a decision to be obedient or not. Some of you in the room over the last few weeks have made decisions for Jesus. I've got the cards on my desk where you've said, 
I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. You need to be baptized today. Amen. You do. You need to be baptized today. If you're here and you haven't trusted him for your salvation, you need to know <laughs> that today as the Lord leads you, you're understanding the fact that he died for you. It brings you to that next step of salvation, which is the immediate process into your next step of baptism. Excuse number four, not only am I not prepared, I need time to think about it. In other words, you need time to come up with another reason not to. And I say it out of love, I really do. Because I've hopefully taken away some of the reasons why you're not. And the reason I'm even sharing this today is to try to encourage you to do it. In my own life, I know if you give me enough time, I can talk myself out of anything. And what we do so many times is we, when we don't want to do the next thing, we just start asking a bunch of people until we get the answer we want. Come, somebody say amen. Come on. That'll preach whether you want it to or not, and I understand. But if you go home and start 50 conversations about why you should and why you shouldn't with 50 different people, you're going to get 50 different opinions. We're using the Bible today. I hope you've heard it. I really do. I hope you've heard it. In the natural, when you've got a great opportunity in front of you, I hope you take it. In the spiritual, when you've got a great opportunity in front of you, I hope you take it. I really do. I hope you take it. And I believe that baptism is one of the greatest opportunities given to us by Jesus Christ. He says to you, I came, I died, I rose again. And you get to symbolize that through baptism today. I'll say it again, that great opportunity necessitate immediate obedience. If you would approach me after the service today and say, Jeff, I'd, I want to donate a million dollars to the body Dayton. I'm telling you, we'd get in my car and drive to the bank. <laughs> I'd even buy your lunch. I mean, within reason. What am I saying? I'm saying I don't have to pray about that. Thank you, Tom. Over you're like, what? You're not praying to God about that? No. No, write the check. <laughs> am I right, though? <laughs> and you wouldn't either. You wouldn't either. You wouldn't be like, you know what? Let me think about that. No. You wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. A great opportunity? Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. I wouldn't have to pray about it. I wouldn't call a meeting. I might call some people, but it won't be for that. I believe Jesus made you an offer of a lifetime, his righteousness for your sin. Amen. Amen. His grace for your honest, for your honest admission of sin, his grace. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to, I want to round third here and head for home. I, I, wanna, I just want to throw out a couple of questions for you. The first question I want to ask is, what's living inside of you right now at this moment that you know just it needs to die? And if, if, if that confuses you, I, I, I understand. That is, that's, that's bizarre language if you're new to the church. But let me, let me just be a little more specific. Is materialism just growing inside of you? And you're starting to just desire things to an, just an abnormal rate. Maybe it's lust. Maybe lust lives inside of you. And it, you, you know it needs to die. Maybe greed, jealousy. Might I declare it also that the sin of a bad, rotten attitude can live inside of us and we need to let Jesus kill it today. It could be a number of things. I, I, I probably didn't name yours. But if it needs to be buried with Christ, will you bury it today? Will you let him take it? You say, Jeff, I, I, I recognize that Jesus' power over the things that are hurting me in my life, I know that it's there uh, and there's things that need to die today. Uh, here's what I want you to do with every head bowed. If that's you, I'm going to take a moment, and I'm just going to let you talk to God. And, and I, you don't have to do it audibly. You don't have to do it out loud. I, I, I mean that. I'm not here to embarrass anyone. But I would ask that you would, you would speak that to, to God. 
So if you're here and you know there's things in you, I don't care if you've been saved for 50 years or if you got saved yesterday, if, if, if you know there's things in you, you've got to give to the Lord so he can kill them because they're hindering you from your next step. Would you just raise your hand? God bless you, sir. Ma'am, ma'am, God bless you, ma'am. In the back, God bless you and you, sir. Thank you. All over this building. Would you just take a moment? Would you speak those things to God? Because listen, he already knows. But he's asking you to let them go and let them die. Others of you, you might recognize today that there's some things that are dead, but they should be alive. Things like commitment. Perhaps you remember a time when your faith was alive, but today it's a dead faith. Maybe your hope is gone. Maybe your peace. Maybe you, you once were moving forward and now you've lost momentum. I, I don't know what it is. I, I, what's inside of you that needs to live? Jeff, there's some things inside of me that I, I know God wants to speak life to and resurrect them in my life. If that's you, raise your hand right now in this house. God bless you, sir. Back, God bless you, man. They need to be alive. You in the back, thank you. Speak them to Jesus right now. Commit them to him in the name of Jesus. Commit them to him. Ask him to help you. Ask him to breathe his life into them. Maybe you're not praying with power, not in his word, whatever it is. Maybe you're not faithful with your resources, whatever it is. Let him bring them alive. Now, we're going to pray. I got two more questions. One, if you're here and you know your relationship with Jesus is broken. You say, Jeff, it's not it's not dynamic. I'm, I'm literally, I'm, I'm wishy-washy at best. I'm not judging you, church. Listen to me. I'm not judging you. I played church until I was 21 years old. I get it. I totally get it. Sometimes it's just easier to go along with the flow. But you're miserable. You know, Jeff, I know my relationship with Jesus is fractured. Not his fault, it's mine. And today... I'm going to declare I want to be saved. If that's you, you want to be forgiven, set free, I want you to raise your hand up in this house right now. Just raise it up. You in the back, God bless you. And you and you, God bless you. Who else? I need Jesus. Who else? Man, don't be, God bless you, sir, in the back. I'm proud of you, man. Listen, I, I get it. I get it. When I, the day I got saved in church, the pastor of the church, when I came forward to pray, he said, what are you here for? I said, I'm saved. He goes, you're already saved. No, no, I'm a liar. No, I'm a liar. I am not saved. Who else? I believe God's saying to somebody else. Who else? I need Jesus. Who else? God bless you. Thank you. Now, I want us to pray. And then I want you to stay in an attitude of prayer if you would. If you raised your hand, you want to be saved. You want to be set free. Listen to me. I will not overcomplicate it, but I will stress the importance of you meaning it. I, you don't need to repeat a prayer after me. The fact you acknowledge with the movement of your hand that you need Jesus, oh, that's the biggest step you'll take <laughs> because you had to kill your pride to do that. So agree with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive me. I'm a sinner. You've been good to me. You've been faithful. I've been faithless. You're right. I'm wrong. I turn from my sin. And I turn to you. Save me. Forgive me. Fill me. Equip me and empower me. Thank you. 
for laying your life down so mine can live. I will serve you and make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Still praying. I'm going to ask you to do this for me. If you came today, you've signed your name on the paper that you want to be baptized, I'm going to ask you to just quietly get out of your seat. If you would go in this door right back here or this door over here to the sides of the... Miss Amanda, will you stand right there? Ladies, you go with Miss Amanda. Just follow her. She's going to get you all ready. Dudes, if you'll go on this side, so if you want to be baptized, if you signed up, come on, let's get, let's get it going. I know I got, you said, Jeff, you got one more question. I'm going to ask it in just a second, but I need you guys, if you came to be baptized, let's go ahead, let's get filed out. Now, welcome teens, I'm glad you're here. Come on, Gavin, come on, bro. Go on, you go throughout that door, I'll be out back here in just a second, man. You go ahead and get changed, whatever you need to do. Okay. Welcome to the service, teens. I'm glad you're in here, guys. Listen up. Look at me. Have your attention just for a minute more. You came here this morning to watch somebody else or because it was Sunday and it's what we do, right? But while we've been together and we've worshiped and we praised and we've read the word, et cetera, et cetera, you, you've realized your need to be baptized. Can I tell you, it would be our honor. It'd be our honor to go into the water with you. And we don't take it lightly. And I know it's not a flippant decision. But I do want you to know, there's power in obeying immediately. So if you're here, you didn't plan on it when you got here, but you're like, I feel I need to be baptized today. Would you just stand up in this room and you know where to go to so just get up? And let's go do it in the name of Jesus. We'll, we'll take care of the pictures. We'll take care of anything you need. Whatever you need to wear, we got it. And Dwayne will take you to lunch. Because <laughs> he ain't in here, and I can say that. Listen, if you, I want you to know it's available to you. I want to I talk with you for just a sec while they're getting ready to go. <clears throat> now, we'll show a little video, and then we'll, we'll get on it. Um, in two weeks, Pastor Duane and I are going to start a series on what might be, and, and I, 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 get, I understand why, and I won't unpack all of that, but I, it might be one of the most taboo subjects, and that is the person of the Holy Spirit. There's a misconception, there's a confusion, there's a, a timidness. And then there's the other side of the corn where, where, where you, you, you believe in the Holy Spirit so much that you worship the Spirit. And everything else doctrinally and theologically is thrown out the window, and well, that ain't right either. So we're going to start unpacking the person of the Holy Spirit as it pertains to Scripture as the subject pertains to Scripture, and as He, as the third person in this beautiful trinity, we want to educate, we want to train, we want you to be free from the bondage of confusion and free from wondering, what do I do next? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What does it mean? Isn't it, isn't it, isn't it funny when Jesus was going away, he told his disciples, he was crucified, buried, he rose again, and he told his disciples, hey, I'm going up, I'm going to sit with my father. So Jesus is where? He's in heaven. But he said, but I'm going to send somebody. See, he didn't leave us alone. Be it all of the things that we do are to God and to Jesus. When the Holy Spirit is right here, right now. But we need to understand how all of that connects together so that we can freely worship and freely exercise our gifts and freely move in the Spirit. So I'm asking you to join us. Online, I'm asking you to join us. 
so that we can, we can just grow together. We want to talk about the, the subject of the Holy Ghost. I love you guys. I'll see you in the water. Thank you for being here today. God bless you.